Welcome everybody to the Amanda Fox official podcast. Today's story is called Day Trippin'. Out here on the street, flashes of happiness and trepidation, power, anger and virtue at once blur the lines and angles of resplendent, relentless concrete, glass and metal. Like bees buzzing around a hive, people come and go, whirl and whiz, advance and retreat, Vehicles, too, do the dance, stopping and starting, swerving and honking. While some may say this is simply the way of any great metropolis, in my opinion, this frenetic disposition serves a greater purpose. See, amidst the flap and furor, a person's chances of interaction with another human being are almost inevitable, and it is this synergetic feast, this charged commingling, that serves to fuel our souls, It is what keeps us alive. At least, it's what keeps me alive. Just now, for instance, I see Lydia, my next-door neighbor, coming back from her morning run. She's gotten her hair cut recently, and in black athletic pants and a blue form-fitting top, she looks quite stunning. As she gets closer, I wave and say hello. Striding past, she is aglow with health and an undeniable sensuality. Seeing the shine on her forehead makes me wonder if she looks the same when her husband licks her vagina. Does the sweat drip down her temples and do her eyes squint up like that? Then there is John, a corporate lawyer who lives in the row of condos across the street. Unlocking his metallic silver BMW, he tosses his briefcase into the back before sliding into the driver's seat. Every morning in this nice weather, it is the same. He rolls down both front windows, puts on his sunglasses, and pulls arrogantly away from the curb. Morning, I wave to him too, wondering when's the last time he was kissed hard on the mouth. Jaunting off to catch my train, I stop at J&B's along the way for a morning paper and some caffeine. The small, family-owned convenience store has occupied the corner of Elm and Broadview for over 50 years. Going to the machine at the back, I select a large cup, set it on the rack and press the button, the heady aroma of black coffee quickening my pulse. Drink in hand, I then saunter to the front, noting that there are a few people ahead of me in line. A woman, who must be in her mid-forties, counts out some change to pay for a jug of milk. The tall brunette behind her couldn't be more than twenty. As I wait, I survey the younger of the two females, admiring her slim hips and her flowing auburn hair. When they've both done their business, it's my turn. In the three hundred and some odd days I've been coming to this place, It is almost always the same girl who takes my money. With a shoulder-length bob, dark eyes, a roundish nose, and ears that stick out slightly, she reminds me of a mouse. Her propensity for comfortable yet distinct clothing and her natural hairstyle have led me to believe that she is a graduate student trying to earn a little extra money to pay for tuition, books, and the occasional night out. About 23 or 4, she is the female version of myself when I was her age, when I too worked and studied in the hopes of someday becoming someone important. Now most mornings, the girl says, just the coffee and a paper? But for some reason, today is different. Today, at last, she seems to have made the connection. The regular, I see. Her words are like liquid fire in my veins. Yes, I reply. She smiles. That'll be 306, please. I hand her a 10. She was cute, huh? She then asks. What luck, I think she's still talking to me. Pardon, I ask. 
The girl that just left. I saw you looking at her. She was attractive, wasn't she? I guess so, I say, trying to sound indifferent. I don't want to make it seem like I'm a psycho. What do you mean? You guess so. You'd have to be blind not to notice her. She looked like a model. She was pretty, I concede, holding out my hand for the change. The girl lets the coins rain down, a sluice of silver and copper that weighs heavy in my palm. Is it me, or did I just feel the tips of her fingers brush my wrist? Have a good day, she says. Thanks. This brief bit of conversation rouses my sensibilities, and I am eager to see if our banter will continue. The next morning, in my ambition, I arrive at the store a little earlier than usual, and the place is busy. Meandering about, I get my coffee and my paper, and I wait until most everyone has left. Then I go up to the counter. So predictable, the girl laughs, ringing in my purchase. You know, you can tell a lot about a person if you pay close attention. What can you tell, I ask, genuinely interested in her theories. See the guy over there with the glasses? She covertly nods toward a man in a suit and tie standing by the candy. He comes in here once a week and buys a single chocolate bar, always first thing in the morning. It's probably a treat he gives to himself, probably something his wife wouldn't want him to have. Cupping her hand over her mouth, she murmurs, she probably won't give him a blowjob either. Looking at me, I sense that she wants to make sure I am okay with the sex talk. Of course, it is fine, and I encourage her. You think? I look at the man again, this time noting his clean-shaven face and his stylish shoes. He has been choosing a chocolate bar now for a good three minutes. Watch, he's going to pick one up, then put it down and pick out another. When you only get one every so often, the decision is much harder. It happens exactly the way she says. The man picks up an arrow bar, looks at it, puts it back, and then grabs an O'Henry. See, he wants the most he's going to get. He likes arrow, but it's too plain. Wow, you're good, I say. As the man strays into the next aisle, the girl at the cash whispers, I'll bet he likes to get his penis sucked hard, too, maybe even by another guy. You know, these CEO types need to relinquish control sometimes. Now I am even more intrigued. What's your name, I ask, feeling like we share a secret bond. Shh, it's Audrey. Turning, I see the man with the chocolate bar standing right behind me. No, go ahead, I say, moving off to the side. I'm not finished yet, and I'm not, not by a long shot. 1073, please, Audrey states, referring to his O. Henry bar and the bottle of Tylenol he has also picked up. The guy pays and doesn't even bother to look at her. Audrey hands him the change and he leaves. Now we are alone in the store. Leaning casually on one hip, I slide my hands in my pockets. How do you come up with this stuff? I ask, like she's the only one with a perverted mind. I don't know. What about me then? What do you think about me? You, Mr. Coffee and Paper? Yeah, I say. Well, you're pretty normal, but you do have an inquisitive streak, which, if you ask me, means that you must be an academic. You don't have a problem staring at people either. I realize I am fixed on her chest, so I shift my focus to the right, to the wire shelf filled with rows of gum and mints. When a few more people enter the store, our exchange becomes stilted, and I decide it's time to leave. I don't want to seem pushy. Bye, I wave, rushing to catch my train. My chest feels warm and full. Arriving at home later that day, I walk inside, set my bag on the couch, and shove my hand inside my pants. God, I'm hard already. 
For the first time in a while, I am utterly desperate to play with myself. No one is around, so I go up to the washroom and undress, imagining Audrey right there in front of me. Naked from the waist down, my penis rising up from between the front panels of my dress shirt, I set my feet apart and bend my legs slightly, stroking rhythmically up and down the smooth silk of my shaft, up and down, up and down, up and over the head. I aim in the direction of my illusory guest. Not bad for an old guy. Undoubtedly, I picture Audrey to be as cheeky as she is in real life. Come closer, I say. I'm getting harder by the second. On her knees, her delicate mouth open and ready, she nuzzles and sniffs at my testicles. Here, she asks. Suck my balls, I say. No, I won't. Why not? She must know how much I want her, how much it hurts, I mean physically hurts, that she won't do as I ask. Because smart girls like to tease. Come on, I'm adamant. But still she refuses, so I pull at my manhood like I'm pulling toffee. I pull at it until I can't hold back any longer, until my cream erupts and pitches out onto her face. Her eyes sparkle with the sweetness of youth. It is wonderful to feel this way again, so infused with jubilance and adventure, so distended with lust. Blissfully, over the next few days, I find it harder and harder to sit through work, harder and harder to sleep at night. On my visits to see Audrey, I have to wear a trench coat. That way, I won't miss my train when I get an erection from talking to her. Now you might think that dreams never happen, but I can tell you that they do, and persistence definitely pays off. Maybe you should come around the corner to get a different perspective, I mean, Audrey says. It is Thursday when I receive this invitation and I am happy, ecstatic really. It's been months building up to this day, the details of which I will leave out only because the story would be so long then, and also because this is the point when it gets really good anyway. Of course, I am taking this opportunity. So saying, I hurry onto the low platform and stand beside Audrey, where we survey the store as a team. Two wayward sailors, a captain and a first mate. Just as I am about to venture a touch by setting my hand on top of hers, however, the doorbell tinkles and two teenage girls walk in. Panicking, I crouch down, pretending to be searching for something, pretending to be someone who actually works there. At eye level with Audrey's crotch, I am astonished when she turns sideways and parts her legs. Is she wearing any underwear? It's hard to tell in the shadows. I want to reach in and find out, but I don't. Footsteps approach, but Audrey keeps her legs open. That'll be 11.76, please, she says, bagging a few items and taking some money. I can smell her essence. As the girls leave, Audrey glances down at me and wiggles up her skirt to reveal a bush of thick brown hair. It is quite a copse, growing out onto her inner thighs, yet in the center, her feminine slit is readily apparent, a glistening pink strip. Prying tenderly at her exquisite folds, using thumb and forefinger, she reveals her delectable insides, a furrow and a rosebud, and I am riveted. Every sleight of hand, every nuance of manipulation has me enthralled. What does she want me to do? As if she can read my mind, Audrey says, no touching. Okay, I inhale deeply, reveling in her scent. Then, with just one finger, Audrey traces up her cleft, drawing further moisture out onto her mound. When I am on the brink of collapse from too much titillation, someone else enters the store. Hi, Audrey. This time it's a man. He must be looking for something near the back because his voice sounds distant. Between what Audrey is doing and this other guy's arrival, I am frozen. Audrey doesn't seem to notice, though, and she persists in fondling her genitals. 
stretching her labia, nudging a finger inside her hole, pulling it back out, smearing her cream in circles over the entire area. Then the man is right there buying his stuff. So how are you doing today? You look lovely as usual, he says. His approach, altogether too chummy. With the opposite hand, Audrey manages the transaction. Can he smell her too? And how does he know her? I am jealous, but also intrigued. See you next time. Good, he's gone, and now I can relax. I envision both of us fucking her in the middle of the aisle. I picture Audrey on her hands and knees, naked as the day she was born, a thin sheen of sweat glazing her back, her smooth, pale skin equal to that of a porcelain doll, her spine curved and her ass tipped for optimal penetration. Conversely, in my mind, I am fully dressed as I engage her doggy style, my penis the only flesh other than my head and hands that is visible. Plunging in and out of her welcoming channel, I don't worry about customers coming in. I welcome them, in fact, for I want the world to see what I do to her and what she does to me. In my imagination, I take her very slowly, withdrawing my penis to the very last millimeter before sliding it carefully back in. The other man, her other man, is busy ramming himself down her throat, almost in a state of delirium. It is one from the back, one from the front, one languid and controlled, one vehement and crude. Maybe you could come by tomorrow at two. Audrey's statement breaks my train of thought. Things are usually pretty slow around then. Sure, I'd like that. And with that, I leave. The next day, I make some excuse for why I have to leave work early, and I get to the store at the specified time. Glad you could make it, Audrey purrs. I want to rip off all of her clothes, haul her up onto the counter, and fill her with every item in the shop, from the rolls of mints to the handle of one of the umbrellas I saw hanging near the front. I'm glad to be here. Obviously, it is an understatement. I've been thinking about you, Audrey says. Have you? My heart is in my throat. Well, what are you waiting for? Audrey lifts her chin to indicate that I should come around. When I do, I see that already her skirt is hiked. Already she has one foot up on the stool and she has inserted two fingers into her vagina. Rocking her hips back and forth, I know it won't be long before she comes, so I put my face as close as possible to the area without actually touching her. Jesus, the sight, the smell, the sound, it's incredible. Then, literally five seconds later, Audrey shatters, and it's as if I am dreaming, her guarded moans almost imperceptible. Just as her contractions subside, just as I am about to do something daring, about four or five people enter the store. Where did everybody come from, and why now? There's a washroom in the back, Audrey says, before anyone has a chance to approach the cash. Needing the privacy and needing it fast, I shuffle past a man and a woman, Bolting into the small, dimly lit room, I release my penis. Already a mess, but with more to get out, I grab it in a near stranglehold and pump it until I explode, bracing myself against the wall, slanting toward the toilet. It is a Herculean effort, but eventually I finish and clean up, returning to find that Audrey and I are once again alone in the store. Feel better? she asks with a wicked smile. I don't know what to do or say or how to act. All I know is that I need more. I'm going away tomorrow for a conference, I say, hoping that she cares. Yeah, sounds busy. I'm sure it will be. I planned the trip months ago, long before any of this ever started. I guess I'll see you then, she says. I guess so, I answer, walking out. I feel a bit like a schmuck. The next week, I spend alternating between attending seminars and whacking off to thoughts of Audrey in my hotel room.
The morning after I get back, I head to the store. I've decided to see if Audrey wants to meet outside of work. Enough with the dilly-dallying. My heart is pumping fast when I get to the door and I swing it open, rushing inside. Audrey, I say, but there is no one at the cache. The place is strangely empty. Audrey, I call her name again, louder this time. Can I help you? A young man, tall and skinny with red hair and freckles, pops up from between the aisles. Hey, I give the interloper a mini salute and stroll to the back to get my coffee. Nice day, huh? I say it casually as though nothing is wrong. Yeah, he replies, uninterested. In the days that follow, Audrey's whereabouts remains a mystery. When I can't stand the suspense any longer, I corner the guy with the red hair. Um, hey, there used to be a girl working here. Do you know if she's on holiday or something? I'm trying to be optimistic, though she never mentioned a vacation. I don't know, man. Her name is Audrey. I say it proudly. I just started, the guy with the red hair shrugs. I know. I think you took her spot. Well, like I said, I don't know. Sorry. I am sorry, too. So very, very sorry. Now I'm going to have to start all over again. Heartbroken. I drag myself outside and stand under the eaves, observing the people as they rush to get out of the rain. Hastening to open the door for a lady with a stroller, I accidentally bump into someone. Turning, I see that it is Mr. O'Henry. Sorry, I say, seemingly powerless to escape this wretched state. It's okay, he replies. His eyes are the most interesting shade of green. I should probably watch where I'm going. Secretly, I am glad for this fortuitous contact, because who knows, maybe this is what comes next. Maybe Mr. O'Henry and I will meet tomorrow at a nearby bar and sit face to face, our thighs brushing underneath the table as we discuss world politics or short-term investing. Maybe he'll let me take him home. Maybe he'll let me suck his cock hard. The possibilities as I see them are endless. The End